All right, welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We're getting into today the draft preview. Hey, how is the Kings prospect pool? How do we see the, the top of the draft shaking up and where do we see the Kings drafting in the second round? Get in the chat, like and subscribe, and let's go. All right, man, the draft snuck up on us, boys. You know, last couple years, we've been thinking about the draft since January. Now we're a playoff team, so snuck up on us. But we did some research, and I'm excited to talk about this podcast. But before that, how are we doing, boys? Russell, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm having a better day than the Calgary Flames, but nothing else. Can't complain. Man. <laughs> how are you doing, Joe? Is that, is that a dig at Joe or a dig at Calgary? That, I, I just love everything that's imploding up in Calgary. I don't get it. I mean, it's something that it's something I, I predicted should have happened after the Kachuk trade. It's just they decided to go all in and keep it keep the train running, but instead of maybe going more futures route with uh, that Kachuk trade. But I don't know. It just seems like something else is kind of going <laughs> on where all these players just don't want to be there. And it's, it doesn't have to do with the coach at this point. He's not even there, so I don't know what it is. So I side mean, note, Joe. Side note, Joe. Yeah, Foley is one of the players that don't want don't want to be there. Is Foley going to be a king? Yes or no? no? No, I'm going to say no. But like, I don't like you could conceivably run that team back, and they would be with a new coach, progressively right? mediocre. Yes, with with a new coach who is willing to do a little bit more. Um, kind of progressive, maybe a little more offense, maybe, God forbid, integrate some younger players into the lineup. They have a couple of exciting prospects, Coronado, Peltier, that were, like, knocking on that door. If they get a save, like, that's a that's a playoff team. Easily a playoff team. Yeah, Dustin Wolf no is coming. He's on the right. way, right? He's supposed to be there next year. There's no way, you know, obviously it was not a, exactly a great mix between Uberdo and Sutter. But you get a coach that's willing to. I I just am amazed that 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 it's kind of just crumbling. You know, Hannafin. It looks like he's going to get traded. Toffoli's going to be out. I don't know. What do you do now with Lindholm? I mean, the team is they still as of today, like as of this recording, probably the best defensive group in the division. That includes Vegas. Like they're really freaking good back there. It's just it's it's. So, so Joe, I, I want to ask you this. Yeah. What modern head coach outside of the head coach that they just signed would be best for Huberto, right? He's a he's a roamer, right? So what offensive scheme would be best for him? Well, the easy one was would go back to who he had in Florida with Andrew Brunette. Um, that would have been – and he just went to Nashville, if I'm not mistaken. Like, you've got a team in Calgary that's that has some horses that can play a bit more of a let's go. Let's get up and play. Huberto, you mentioned. Lindholm's a player. You look at the back end. Hannafin can skate. Mackenzie Weger's excellent. I mean, go down the line. This is a team that's got some players that can move. They can move the puck. And listen, we love Daryl Sutter for what he did to L- with L.A., but he's not going to necessarily play that style. His team was dominant possession-wise, but they were kind of a one-dimensional one style of play. So it's like – 
I don't know anything about that coach that they have in there now. I'm going to be very curious to see, like, who does he surround himself with? But, like, Andrew Brunett was – who if, if, if Calgary got Andrew Brunett, reunited with Uyghur, Huberdeau, that offensive – look what he did with the Devils. Like, that Devils team was one of the best offensive teams in the league off the rush, just as Florida was the year before. And I think that he would have been um, a perfect, perfect fit. It's probably lazy. Honestly, just because, well, he was the coach in Florida for Huberto, why not just bring him to Calgary? I admit, maybe it's lazy, but it did seem like a really nice fit, especially... But what works, what works, right? It, it would have been worth a shot. So we'll see. Listen, I'm a huge Craig Conroy fan, so I guess I'll, I'll trust to see what he does over there. I've always been a, a kind of a closet Flames fan, back, Flames fan back in the day. I adored that run with the Ginla to the Cup um, that they, you know, they lost to Tampa, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I pull for them, but and I, I was still really because I'm like, just run it back, guys. Run it back. You're going to be fine. But now I don't know what to expect. I don't know what they're going to do. We'll see. So before we get into this podcast, we're going to get into our sponsor here, and that's DraftKings. New customers can download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN to spend five dollars and get a hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN Draft. Books DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Let's get into our podcast because I don't want to interrupt our flow because we usually have great flow. So just get the DraftKings out of the way. Thank you for our sponsor. Appreciate that. Let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Let's start with the top of the draft. Obviously, the Kings are not drafting there. We are used to drafting there, but we have some rivals drafting the top five. How do we feel about this? I mean, is Bedard the unanimous? Is there a player that you feel like that can usurp that? Where do you want to go here? Uh, let's talk about let's let's go with that Russell. Yeah, uh, Bedard's easily the unanimous. I mean, it'd be the overwhelming an overwhelming surprise if they didn't pick him. Uh, the Blackhawks, that is. Um, and with the Ducks, I think they can go a couple ways. It seems like. I mean, it's it's certainly from from everything I've seen, everything I've read. Um, the top five players in this draft are all studs and there maybe there's players that are better than a few and at, at certain skill sets. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, it's Bedard's draft. Uh, and I think that's an obvious, but uh, the rest of the top five should be uh, interesting, I guess. Joe, where's the top five shakeout for you? Where is there a player that uh, peaks themselves above the rest for you? Um. I think the name everybody's curious to see where they go is 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 Mitch Koff, right? Like where he he could go as high as two, he could go as low as who knows in the double digits, you know, 10, 11, 12, I don't know. To me, I, I see Mitch Koff and I see San Jose is perfect. And the reason I say this is because they're not they're like Chicago, you're gonna get that's a no-brainer. You're picking Bedard, you move on. The ducks are close. Listen, the ducks are close. They are not far from being competitive. Get one of these guys like Fantilli or Carlson who can help you within the next two to three years. Don't you like you don't need to wait maybe maybe one to two years. Maybe one to two years. Like the way I look at that team is that team is a hell of a lot closer, I think, than than San Jose because San Jose's got more tearing down to do. They've got more contracts to get rid of. They've got more tearing down to do. So they they're probably looking at least three years out. So to me, I think Mitchkov is a really good fit for a team like San Jose, who's probably got a few years away. And I look at Columbus again, that team's we talked about, it, I think before intriguing prospects. They've obviously making moves kind of in a win now, right? They just made the deal for Provorov and Severson. 
this team wants to be competitive. They signed Goudreau, they, the line A they kept. So, again, I think a Carlson or Fantilli to Columbus makes sense because they're going to have more of an immediate impact. I, I like Mitch Cobb to San Jose. I think that's perfect for them, their timeline and everything else. I, I think it fits. Um, so it sucks, frankly, because he could be, you know, the best of the bunch, not named Bedard, and he's going to end up in San Jose. But that's – if I'm San Jose, that's I'm, – I'm aiming for the moon because you're still in teardown mode, right? They, they're, they're not close. So you say the best of the bunch. Uh, you know, Corey promised that he is the highest ceiling of any player in this draft. And right. I agree with him. I agree with him. No, no offense to Bedard. I think Mitch Koff, watching him in the U18s and him play against uh, Bedard, I thought Mitch Koff was better. I, 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 I really do. And I, I think you look at the uh, regency bias, the curtain that's over Russia and what's going on and mm-hmm. political and geographical and contract, right? He's not available until 2025. I think he's the better player. To be honest with you, I think he's the more not not better player, but he's the more offensively gifted player than Bedard. And that you'd say, oh, that's crazy because you know Bedard beat Gretzky's records. But you look at the high end possibility of just pure offensive skill set, it's Mishkov, and it's not even close. I, I I really don't think that. But the fact that Bedard plays in Canada and hockey is a Canada sport, he's he's the player to draft, and and you would be stupid if you were Chicago and would draft anybody else, because you don't know what's going on with Mitchkoff, but the sharks at four, I've seen mock drafts where Mitchkoff's going nine. Like people are waiting that far away to mm-hmm. like, he he's the second best player in this draft. And because Russia quotient or whatever that is. Like you said, sharks don't have to perform now. They have to get rid of Carlson. They have to get rid of a lot of other players. They have to get ready to go. They're in a like a, a spin cycle with their their uh, dynamic as a team. That Mitchkoff's the perfect person. He you can wait two years and let all that stuff settle down, the dust settle, and you have an elite offensive player that could possibly step in in line in your first line in 2025. Yeah, that's the thing. And you would still have in in those few years, like Thomas Hurdle's there forever, Couture's there, but it's kind of a mishmash right now. And yes, they have some very exciting um prospects, obviously, right? Eklund is there. That's that's he's he's probably their biggest prospect at the moment. But I don't know that they're deep enough in the prospects or that they have the NHL ready type prospects, enough of them. Like I look at a Columbus, they got a lot of guys percolating in the right, right, getting right. Johnson's one. We 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 did it the other show. Anaheim's another one. A lot of prospects that have made their debuts have started to play regular roles. So I think they're getting up. They're just a lot further in the process. I, yeah, I, I would keep, gonna suffer for a little bit, right? That's that's where I'm at with. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know yeah. What you think no, I totally agree. Mitchkoff probably has the highest ceiling. Out of any player in this draft, and that's even Bedard, right? But he probably has one of the lowest floors of all the players in the top five that we're talking about. So it's tough because it's, I mean, I'm just, I'm not even going to talk about Mitchkoff to, to, to one. Um, but if you look at Anaheim, when you have Pat Verbeek, who's this going to be his first real, like, high profile draft 
um, he's not going to want to take a player that is it's not going to be available for a couple of years. Yeah, it's got to be someone that's going to be making an impact sooner rather than later. And it's like, okay, you don't want fans to be waiting around. So I think they're going Fantilli. I know I've seen reports going Carlson, but I think that would be a miss. I think Fantilli is almost on like – I've heard like people say that Fantilli would be number one in the last like four or five drafts, which is pretty, pretty wild to think. I agree um, with that too, though. Yeah, but um, – so yeah, I think Fantilli goes two to Anaheim. But I mean, with Columbus, I think Kekalina is a wild card. Do, do, That's do, the do thing you, too. Is like you. But do you, you think Fantilli is a getting the extra nod? Not only, I mean, he's had great stats, but the fact that Beniers went from the NCAA and he's done great, not only in the NHL but in the playoffs. Do you think that gives Fantilli a bump coming from college ranks? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I don't think that's really the main reason he's going number two or has a bump over the others. I think he's just a really good player. I mean, freshman Hobie, Hobie Baker winner. Um, what was the first one since Paul career or whatever. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other reasons and not just because of the college aspect and all that, that he's going to go number two. He's just an incredibly good player. And yeah, it's like, like Kings fans, including myself get excited that the Ducks didn't get number one. But it's a little disappointing because they're still going to get a pretty good consolation mm-hmm. price in Fantillion number two. You, but with all, yeah. all the stuff you mentioned with San Jose about how they still have time, um, they got they can wait a little bit because obviously Carlson's still there and you need to figure out a way to get rid of that contract straight away. But you could say the same thing about Columbus because they have so many players that are available to, like, to let them wait a little bit. I mean, you have Kent Johnson, who's still a young player, Cole Sillinger, Sure. Um, Chinnikov, all these good young players that they could kind of buy time a little bit. And it's not like Columbus is going to be picked to contend for a Stanley Cup probably next year, or even the year after that. So I think they could still buy their time. And I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe uh, go for the wild card in, in uh, Mitchkoff here. At, at so so do, you think, do you think Mitchkoff will be Kaprizov? Do you think instantly impact 60 plus points right away? Uh, yeah. He'll be like, what twenty three the time he comes to the NHL. Probably. I mean, the things I saw Mitchkov do at the U eighteens, it, it was just like I'm, I'm watching the next reincarnation of Pavel Dotsuk. Like this, the stuff he was doing with the puck. It's. I remember even going back to the last few years. You heard about it, the talk before, like this past year, was Bedard and Mitchkov. Yeah. It was those two players. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, we're. The 2023 draft is going to be crazy because you have these two players in Bedard and Mitchkoff. It wasn't just Bedard. It was Mitchkoff was along with it. But now that's kind of gone away because you mentioned the whole Russia thing. Um, he's got a contract tied there, so he's not going to be over a while. He's not going to be over here in a bit. And he also hasn't really talked to any teams, hasn't worked out with any teams. So it's almost – it's this huge wild card that this, this draft that everybody's going to be paying attention to. And I'm curious. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes number two. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 10 plus 10, 15, maybe. I mean, that's just that how would surprise me. I mean, I think that, that uh, it would really surprise me if he gets all the way to 10 or later. I think that would be that's just there's too been, big. There's been multiple mock drafts with reputable people that have him at nine to 11. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe it. I just think that's that's too big of a miss. The one thing I'll say, though, is in, in, in those GM's defense that would do that, and I look at Kekalainen. And obviously, I don't know what conversations he's had with Columbus, but he's been there a while now and hasn't exactly accomplished a whole lot. He may not have three years, so he may not have the time to wait for Mitchkov um, to get here. So I do think he's a wild card, and I do I, he is absolutely the GM I can see taking a swing at a Mitchkov. It's, it's, 
but I wonder, you know, if GMs are just willing to wait that out. Uh, that that's a long time. But man, he's so freaking talented. I don't know how a, the team just lets him go to the. And I've seen just so many highlights of Bedard, but the highlights for Mitchkoff. You just anybody who's listening right now, just look at Mitchkoff highlights, and you're gonna be like, you have no doubt this guy is just the most supreme offensive talent I've seen in the last decade. Like, it's just ridiculous the amount of talent this guy has. And it's just – if he was in Canada, I think he'd be over Bedard, to yeah, be honest maybe. with you. Maybe. I, 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 I think he was – it's just it's just that kind of uh, uh, prejudice towards what's going on here with – and, you know, you Russia-Ukraine, you have him sign a contract, yes, yada, yada. But the, the kid's got some talent, and – the ultimately money is going to talk whether he like out like whether he stays in Russia until his draft contract ends and he comes over at 27 or not eventually he's going to come to the NHL and he's going to be a dominant player what well, and if, I, I I fully believe that yeah and if you look at the Blue Jackets uh recent draft picks I mean David Hiracek was probably going to probably could have gone higher than six if he didn't have that injury during his draft year um, my love before, yeah Look at the year before that, Kent Johnson at five. Mm-hmm. That was a player that maybe was considered a reach at that time. I thought he was one of my favorite players in that draft. But, I mean, a lot of people considered him more of a flashy player, not necessarily the more all-around type of player that um, some teams were looking for. But And then before that, you got Chinnikov with the first-round pick, another Russian player. That was, a, that was a big surprise at that draft. So, I mean, Kekalainen has, has known to go for these home-run yeah. type of swings in the past. So, it. yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Michkov has the name red at three. So home runs are not. The Kings are in an interesting position here. So we've already traded away our uh, first overall pick for Gavrikov and you know Korpisalov in this last season. So now we got the two. We got our second round pick right around the fifty range. Are we going to trade that away? Because that seems like the Kings' mo. Hey, we're going to trade away picks for futures. Now we're going to win with Dowdy and Kopitar. Or do you see them sticking pat? Moving up and down the round, where do you see this going, Joe? Uh, I think the pick stays. Like, I don't think they're they're trading. The only thing I I can see them, you know, the Kings have traded up before uh, in the draft. Maybe that's something that they look to do if they see a player they like. But in terms of trading this pick for an NHL, a trade for the NHL, I don't know. I don't know if I see that. I don't you know. You don't see it in a PLD trade because I, I don't because I, I don't I I don't know that it's enough. I don't know that that I, I I guess it's possible but I, I'm expecting them to 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 make the selection or or even trade up I can I can see both of those but I I don't know that this is a piece that's that integral to um to a deal to come I don't know that's my opinion what do you think Russ yeah I'm kind of in the same boat I mean the Kings have always kind of wanted to have these I mean when you trade away the first round pick and then you trade away the second round pick of the same draft uh, that you're kind of just getting away from the draft at that point and I'm sure the Kings have some some uh, players in mind at, at 54 so I, I would just imagine that this pick end up, ends up staying and they don't have a second next year if I'm not mistaken um, so yeah that was in the, the Philly trade right Right. So, you know, you're starting and this is one of the things where I know everybody was doing cartwheels about the trade. But, you know, you you lost assets to 
deal for actual players and actual warm bodies by by doing this. So unfortunately, you know, they they've lost a, a pretty big asset to where maybe Randon, if if they did have next year's, then maybe this one could be on the table, I guess. Um but I, I don't know. I as Russ said, they've 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 dealt some pick capital here. Um I kind of expect and hope they deal their 24 first. Um because again they they, they do kind of have to to make a run here if they want to they want to do so so that that could be something that costs i think i i hope they stay because i think that you look the biggest downside obviously the two cups are positive but uh, the downside was it it took a long time to reimburse those talent and this second obviously isn't going to be an impact this year or next year even the year after but you got to have that flow or influx of positive talent and you look at the guys that we're going to be talking about later you know all our draft cut crushes those could be guys that would be making a difference in the 2026 2027 year where we fully expect the kings to be competing for a cup maybe we trade those guys away to get a star player or uh, a a difference maker so i hope they make this uh pick but do you think davo comes in here do you think that blake makes a trade to get another second to where we replenish even more or do you think AI or VA, which we talked about last week, which one are they going to be trading more? Do you think they're going to be a part of a piece to get a guy that's right now instead of a future pick? I guess yeah, I, think it's- I, think, I, think, I think a pick's possible here just because we've talked at length about they're going to still need to move some money. I think it's especially if they're going to bring yeah. in somebody of impact um, and perhaps somebody like Ayafalo or Arbitson. Uh, can net you a a second or third round pick. I, I I think that's a possibility. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of what I was thinking too. I mean, if you're looking to kind of figure out some more cap space and create some more room, um, Arvidsson could probably net you a second round pick. I don't see him netting a first, but yeah. uh, second rounder easily. I mean, one one year left, very productive player. Uh, would be tough to lose, obviously, but if you're looking to shed some salary cap and uh, maybe sign a goaltender or maybe trade for a player. I mean, that's definitely a piece I'd, I'd look to trading, but I'm kind of with Joe here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe see the Kings maybe trade up in this, in this draft, uh, maybe tie some picks together and just move up a couple spots, something crazy, not, not try to get in the first or anything, but I mean, this is a deep draft. This has been known to be one of the best drafts in, in quite some time. So I think you can still get a good quality player in the forties and fifties. So I'd be surprised if the Kings end up trading away just to kind of move back or, or move away from the second round at all. Uh, if Tanner Melendic, if Tanner Melendic slips whoa, whoa, to round whoa, whoa. two, before we get into the players, there, Joe. Hey, he's not horses. one of mine. I was just throwing it out there. Hold your horses, there, my man. Uh, <laughs> let's get into this prospect pool because we've been winning. We've been winning, you know, hockey games. A lot of hockey games have been won by the LA Kings, and we haven't been really talking about the prospect pool. Let's let's get to the positive before the negative. Where is this prospect pool really, uh, you know, really advancing or really, you know, really excelling in, in in that pool? What do you think, Russ? Yeah, I think the forward group is actually looking pretty strong. We haven't really seen any players pan out. I guess from the top couple uh, rounds that have been drafted uh, so far in the NHL, but I mean, you got a lot of good stuff percolating down the AHL. I mean. Akil Thomas, uh, unfortunately, had his uh, shoulder injury this past year, so he wasn't able to expand on his uh, development, but still got high hopes for him. Uh, very talented player, all-around type of player. 
Uh, Arthur Kaliev obviously made some made some strides in the NHL, but it's been up and down. But I'm still high hopes for him. Um, not to mention Laferriere, Chromiak. I mean, the names you can go on and on with the amount of wingers and scores that the Kings have in the pipeline. So I think they're pretty solid down that group. What do you think? What do you think the positive is in the in the prospect pool there, Joe? No, I would agree. I think you look at the forward group. Um, you know, you've got a couple that have graduated to the NHL already with Byfield, Velarde, Kaliev, uh, Kupari has, you know, kind of established himself as an NHLer, I would say, at this point. And then when you look, uh, as Russ said, in Ontario, you've got Laferriere's coming, Chromiak, Pinelli. It's a really exciting group. We didn't even, neither of us has mentioned Samuel Fagimo yet who is a pretty good goal scorer in his own right in, in the AHL, and he's gotten his feet wet in the NHL a little bit. So, you know, I, I think you look at they, they've got a pretty good crop of forwards. You know, will one of them, two of them, how many, if any, you know, actually kind of, um, you know, bust out into something. You know, we talked about another strength for the longest time being their right defense. Obviously, They've made a couple of trades here, moving away from Brock Faber and Helge Grands over the last couple of years, but that's still extremely strong just because of the top end, right? With Clark and Spence, it's it's thin after that, and thin by by thin it means like there's zero after that. But those two are so good, <laughs> and and no disrespect to Jersey, obviously he's in the NHL, established himself as an NHL player, so you know. But that's still really impressive on the right side too. So it may not be as plentiful as as it used to be or as the forward group perhaps but um it's still really strong i'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go into pro- sorry real quick when two of your top prospects are right shot defensemen that's yeah like you like you mentioned it's not it's there's not as much there in terms of quantity but the quality is definitely there so it's not quality really a position of need at this moment yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to piggyback on the uh, the Clark train because you know that I'm the conductor. So we'll go a different direction here. But I think the elite scoring for for the Kings in the prospect pool is is a really high point. You look at Sam Fagimo, you look at you know uh, um, you know Pinelli. It's just it's just really high end there. And Chromiak, you have a lot of goal scorers that are are right at the AHL or NHL level. That could come in, so it makes you feel good about maybe losing a Victor Arvidsson. Makes you feel good about hey, like there's a guys that could potentially come mm-hmm. into this. I mean, Pinelli was a 50 plus goal scorer, mm-hmm. right? Point per game player. Chromiak just lighting the lamp. Like everybody on Twitter was doing Chromiak highlights. And don't even get me started on Fagimo, where his presence been and his one defensive acumen is phenomenal. But he's able to have that elite wrist shot within the within the buttons. I, I just think that's a really highlight for the prospect pool there. Yeah, and I think, like, I don't remember where I read this, that the Kings were maybe a little thin on the wings. I actually think that they're okay on the wings, especially when when I look at the NHL, the young players, at least right now. Again, Velarde has moved to the wing. I don't, I'm assuming that's permanent, but you never know. I guess we'll see what the future holds for Velarde, but – um, I, think certain... just, I think that's just where they're drafted at, right? Kupari drafted center. Turcotte was a center. Byfield was a center. Velarde was a center. Pinelli was a center. Like, I think like this is just draft acumen that, oh, these guys are going to be centers. But really, if you look at their style of play, right? Byfield did yeah. well on the wing. Yeah. Turcotte has done well on the wing. Kupari's done well on the wing. Like, these guys are adaptable. Right. And that's what I want to see 
what of these guys, which of these guys, because really, I think at this point, is it, I think Pinelli's really the only true center. Well, maybe Hughes, I guess, too. He's a little bit further away, but, um, you know, Turcotte, I don't know what to make of him at this point. I don't know what position he plays. I just want him to play. So it's hard yeah, to I think really... he's. I think he's a third line center. I think he's a top six winger. Like, I, I think, think he adds think... that, that, that dirtiness yeah. that, that a line needs. But to drive a line, he's probably a third line player. I can see that. I can see that. So, but which of these guys can Pinelli stick at center and be an impactful, you know, middle yeah, six yeah. type of center, right? So, so we'll see. But I, I, I think we're in agreement that that the, the forward group is. I still think well is yeah. deep. It's deep. I don't know if how elite it is. It's deep though, right? Yeah. No, agreed. And I, I kind of like. I'm not one to be worried about players transitioning from center to wing. I'd actually almost prefer draft maybe more centers just so you can have that experience Great. of the face-off dot and maybe a little bit more responsibility defensively because I think the transition from center to wing is a lot easier than it would be from a wing to a center position. Okay. So I'm not too worried about that whole aspect. But, yeah, I agree I agree with Joe. It's just you gotta, you, you got a, a lot of uh, – a lot of prospects that can fill those needs in terms of scoring, like you mentioned, Randon, too. Um, we haven't even mentioned a player like Kenny Connors, who, who played for USA at the World Juniors. Um, he looks pretty good. Uh, Sammy Hellenius, also another center, big big boy center. Uh, we haven't even seen Casper Simmentaiwa over here in North America. Atu Jamsen, another mm-hmm. uh, seventh-round pick. So, I mean, I can go on and on. These are – but it's almost like – we're. it's like we're in this, like, past this honeymoon phase of the Kings prospect pool, though, right? I mean – We've heard so much about some of these players and and seen the highlights and and, and looked Simon Tybal for me the most. Like I would yeah, wait I mean, for the to, my, to break myself out, included. You, know? you see him at the World Juniors and the way he performs, he's just he just has a knack for scoring goals. He's just like a I compared him to like a, a prairie dog that just pops up in, out of these holes and just finds pucks and and come in and puts in the back of the net. It, but for how small he is too, it's it's great. So I'm really excited to see because there's reports that he's going to be over here for develop, dev camp. So I'm really excited to watch Simon Tybal. Obviously, Yamsen was was over here last year too. There's a lot to like. Uh, Leferrier's here. Um, yeah, so I'm excited with the, with the forward group. I just wonder if uh, maybe there's a little bit more of a need on on the defensive side and maybe in goal in that too. Before we get to the negatives, I gotta I gotta highlight this. Mama McMahon coming in the chat. Hey boys, <laughs> love listening to the podcast. Mama J in the chat. That's my mom. Thank you for always listening. Appreciate you. Appreciate well, it. Love it. Let's get into the negatives here. I mean, we don't we want to we don't want to harp on too much of this, but I think the negative is obviously the defensive core, right? We trade all these guys away. There's no left shot D. There's no right shot D in the defensive, you know, core outside the, you know, the the Spences and the and the Clarks, but the it's not as thick as it used to be. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, it's funny because, man, over these last like few months, or maybe just ever since he's been drafted, I keep trying to figure out what is going on with Kirill's Kursanov. <laughs> I just need to know what it, what that guy's doing because when he was drafted, I remember Yanetti said that he thought he could play at the AHL at that time. So ever since that was said, it almost like piqued my interest. I'm like, okay, I need to see how this player performs and. And obviously, what we meant, we touched on the whole thing with Russia and whatnot. It's been hard to try to kind of get a grasp on everything and even find highlights of what he's been doing. I know he got traded from 
I think it's the St. Petersburg team or, or Ska or whatever it is, uh, over to Vityaz. I'm probably butchering the name, but yeah. So he's he's obviously a young player, was part of the uh, World Junior team a couple years ago. And I know they haven't been involved in the tournament in, in a few years, but yeah, that's a that's a player that I'd love to, to learn a little bit more about. Obviously, the left side is probably more of a need, and that's exactly what he plays. So, um, but yeah, you hit it right on the head, Randy. I mean, I'm sure there's some more of a need and maybe could fill up that that side of the defense a little bit more. Yeah, the the the, the lefty and and goaltending as are the two glaring needs, I would say. Um, one of which I think you can fill at various spots, be it college free agents uh, or deep in drafts. That's the goaltender. But um, yeah, I mean they they need to start getting some players to to fill out that left defense. I mean, and players of all sorts, whether they're you know, two-way defenseman, defensive defenseman, offensive defenseman. They just need some bodies back there because they really don't have many prospects on the left side of the D. And and we can, it's been a, a pain point and a topic of conversation for years. Um, you know, I, I, this is back, uh, this is, uh, I think it was before the season um, that Scott Wheeler did his, uh, of the athletic, his, his prospect pool rankings. There's, in, there's 15 players ranked uh, here. There's one left shot D, and that's Toby Bjornfoot. And I don't know. I, I we've talked at length about Bjornfoot on this podcast. It's just I just don't know that he's a NHL defenseman. Maybe he's a fringe, you know, six seven guy. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. That's why Tanner Melendic. I got. I had to get too ahead of myself, Randy. I was so excited about him, but it looks like he's. An so you should have. You should have chose him as one of your prospects guys right? i guess so i guess so <laughs> but he's gonna go too high unless but listen if they trade up that's my guy because he's a left-handed boy is he fun to watch just so excited. my thing with my thing with bjornford is this let's before we get back to the draft elite skating like he he bjornford. can move both sides yeah oh elite I, skating. Elite. I, okay. I would say this he he's very He's very sound in his skating. Maybe not from an offensive standpoint, but he's never going to get beat from his feet. He's, but he's not. He's not that big. He doesn't use that. He doesn't use his skating. He doesn't use his size. I mean, he's six foot or whatever. But to his advantage, like he's just playing in between. Like his entire career has been in flux. Like I, he doesn't. He's not an offensive guy. Like you watch him in for Sweden. He's like an offensive guy. And then he comes back to the Kings and he's a defensive guy. And then. He goes to the AHL. He's an offensive. Like he's never the same player consistently, and I think that's what the Kings need. You need consistency. T Mac wants consistency from you, and he's not that guy. And I think that Bjornfoot has the skating to be an NHL player, but is he going to be that type of decision maker where he's going to be a persona on the ice? I don't think so. Not yet. Bjornfoot. Yeah, he's almost like the the Kings of the early 2022-23 Kings that this does have an identity. He doesn't yeah. know what type of player he is, right? And I, I mean, you watch Bjornfoot and you see, I, I agree, Randy, and you, you see him do all these, all these crazy offensive plays on certain games and then, and then, but the defense is lacking. And then some, some games he's playing pretty good defensively. He just doesn't make the right decisions offensively. But yeah, I, I agree. I agree too, Randy, when that, in terms of his skating ability, I think he's really good. It's just, his IQ is just not there. I mean, there's been times I watch him play and he just looks lost out there on the ice and he just doesn't know where to be. And I don't know, maybe that's just a young player still developing. I'm obviously not going to give up on him, mm -hmm. but 
I just would like to see him establish what his role and what type of player he's going to be on the team. I don't think it's IQ. I think it's his identity, right? Like he has enough offensive acumen to be a 30 point player in the NHL, but he doesn't consistently do anything right. Like he just, he's there. And I, and I, but I think his skating and IQ is top notch. I just don't think he ever gives himself to one role. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what makes, you know, the other left shot defenseman that, that gets talked about a lot. And and I'm a big fan of is Jacob Movarari. I think the reason why he can be successful and can spot in more seamlessly is because he knows exactly who he is. There's no, he, he knows what he is. He's a defensive defenseman. He's going to close gaps. He's in it, but he's a good, he's good first puck or first pass out of the zone. Like he's very, very simple, but he plays within it. He knows that. Um, and I think Bjornfoot, as you mentioned, kind of depending on the level where he is, he can be a different type of player. And he just, what, what sucked for Bjornfoot is, is him starting so young in such a big role in the NHL. I, I don't think that helped him. Um, and yeah, I agree. Like I'm not giving up on him because he is young, but boy, I, I haven't seen a thing that tells me that guy's ready for a playoff series against the Oilers. <laughs> like, you know, right. And, when I look at it that way, you put it totally in that right. context, but you put it in that context, but you look at this, like, is that because of like, we'll, we'll, we'll go like, uh, Hey, Genny saying more, uh, Bjorn from right. We're all ready for the LD role. LD three. Based on I look at, I, I look at Marvare and I'm like, Hey, I know what he is. He's not going to make a mistake. He's going to be defensively sound. He's going to have good zone exits. He has his limitations, but he has his limitations. He's never going to be an offensive juggernaut. But if you pair him with Dursey on the right side or Spence or Clark, like he's going to perform in what he does. With Bjornfoot, I don't, I don't know what you're getting. I really I, don't. I, like you have the guy that does a 360 backflip goal where he broke every single def, uh, uh, defenseman in the yeah. AHL, and then. You have a guy getting beat routinely in the NHL. Like he, you don't know what he is. Yeah, like he has I, all I, the abilities. He just has no identity. Which Bjorn, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'd rather have a guy that has an identity and knows exactly what he is, and I can expect that from a night in, night out versus a guy that has potential, quote unquote. Which is probably surprising coming from me that I'm a Mulverari fan because he's kind of like the opposite of the defenseman that I generally like. But for there's something about the how much he. He he's you can see him how he's just this good thinker on the ice. Like you can see that when you watch him play, it's like this guy doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He knows he's not a great skater, but he he can he can think very fast. He can think a heck of a lot faster than his feet. So I think that's what helps him out. And it's just yeah, I, like I just I don't know what we've seen from Bjornfoot to say. Yeah, let's get hit. We're we're a team that's looking to contend for a Stanley Cup. We want Tobias Bjornfoot on our roster. I I don't see that. I, mm-hmm. I I'm not giving up. Like Russ said, like he's still very very young, but he to me needs more time in Ontario. I see a lot of Rob Scuderi and and Moviari's game. It's just see that. quiet on the ice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to notice him really at all. But that's probably a good thing, right? I mean. Just, well, just that's a way to win over Kings fans, there, Russ. Rob Scuderi is a is a Kings favorite. Yeah, I mean, every time I don't know, it was just kind of a little baffling at times where where Marbury didn't get more playing time than I would have expected. But maybe uh, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's why uh, all this talk about us maybe looking for a little bit more of a well-rounded type of player. Maybe that's the player that the the Kings were looking for at times. But I mean, 
I mean, when there were games that they were playing Edler over pretty much anybody, I guess. <laughs> well, I think that's what questionable. So that's the downside, I suppose, with the Edler deal. It was cheap. I, I understood it. I think we kind of praised it, but it blocks, you know, I'm over Ari. And, and again, listen, full like disclosure, I get it. I'm not there. I'm not on the staff. Maybe they just said, guys, we know Movarari is not ready to play 60 games in the NHL. And if that was their decision, then that's why they brought Adler back. And evidently, which that's is, probably well, then that's which, the, which uh, was what it was. Adler but, was garbage, straight trash. Well, that, but, but boy, that's the thing. Like, is it, what is it? That was he ready to where you, you couldn't even spot him here and there? I, I, yeah. I, I, would, I, like I would, I would take the average, average. Of no, I would take the the low end of Mavari's game, the worst Mavari game that you've ever seen, versus the average of Edler last season, and and that's not even close. Edler was so trash, and, and it's and that's a harsh word. I just he just I thought I was here. Hey, that's a great signing, seven hundred seventy-five k for a guy. He just didn't have it this season. And they just overplayed him. Re- they overplayed him. It was, it was a lot of games. Maybe that's recency bias because of the fact that the playoffs, but that I mean, and, and right here, this and again, he says Mata, right? Like you had Mata, who was a player that everybody hated, but he was solid. He was solid for the team. Perfectly fine moving on from Mata. No, I, I was too, but I'm just saying, like, he was a solid player as, as much as bad publicity as he got. Edler wasn't solid for the team. And I, so, I listen. Adler I, I, I was. I don't think he's as he was as, as bad as as your as you're making it out to be. But he, to your point, he was not. He was not good, and he certainly wasn't good consistently. I don't even think he was worth seven hundred seventy-five k. I would have rather not signed him <laughs> and, and sign somebody else. In Fair, enough. Fair enough. So well, let's get to the center, hoping to get what they got from him the year before, and it just it, yeah didn't, didn't work out right. I know. Uh, before we get to the next topic, uh, Oakland together and uh, Fisher out for well, all of Oakland A fans. Respect to that. We'd be remiss if we didn't at least – I mean, I know the Kings have ignored the goaltending for the last how many years, but we should probably not ignore the goaltending in the system. It's obviously a problem, right? <laughs> now they, they got Portillo. Yeah. But the goaltending, do you see them targeting a goaltender in this draft? Obviously, I don't. I guess I don't know. Maybe there isn't a whole lot to talk about. We all know the goaltending is very thin in the system. I, I mean, you know my thoughts. I'm, I'm not even thinking goalie for the first few rounds here. Um, I would I think the bigger question is this: Do you think they sign a veteran goalie like they did with Copley last season to be that bridge, or do you think they roll with Portillo and and Velata? What in the AHL? Oh, you yeah. mean to sign like a? AHL do you think they sign player? a bridge guy, or do you think they roll with Portillo or Velata? I think they roll with those two. I think they're pretty confident. I, I, I would believe they're pretty confident in what they got Velalta. I mean, he, he he showed pretty well last year, and I was a little disappointed. I mentioned a couple of times that he didn't get as many starts as he probably should have. So, I mean, I mean, Velalta should be knocking on the door for NHL starts at this point. So, should, if we're coming yeah. to that notion, then yeah, he should definitely be the number one guy in Ontario. And then yeah, if you're looking for Portillo to look a little, uh, get a little bit more playing time. Um, then he should be the number two. I think that's a good split to have. This would I be think, I think Peterson. I think Peterson took away from that. That's why I'm, that's the point of the question. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, this is a guy, you know. This would be his fourth season, fifth season. Velalta's like, his fourth season on the ring. Yeah. 
So, so this will be his he, fifth season with, yeah. with the rain. He played 22 games in 1920. He, he is uh, a veteran. Like, like he's a young goalie. I get that, but just be, he doesn't have to be 30 to be a veteran. You know, he's been around the, he's been there. He, he knows it. He gets it. He knows the road trips. He knows all, all the, the ins and outs that he can, he can teach a young goalie like Portillo. So like, I don't think they need to. I said the exact same thing last year, which is why I didn't think they needed Copley, but I was wrong about that too. So I, I, I would like to see them go with Valalta Portillo, but I, you know, I don't know what their plans are. And, um, you know, maybe they don't know that Portillo is ready for that type of a role to be instantly ready to go in the AHL. I don't know. All right. So Joe, your question was the draft. Obviously the draft is going to be towards the bottom end of the goalie rotation. Do you think that David Hrennick or Ingram or Parikh, do you think they've shown enough to where we shouldn't draft a goalie this round or you open to the, the, the possibility of that? Not in the second. And I don't know. Is Hrennick? Is Hrennick yeah, he'll gone? be in Europe. He's going to yeah, be in Europe he, next year. Yeah. yeah. He, he went to Europe. Uh, and Parikh, too. Is Parikh uh, a free agent? Is that? Yeah. They didn't, they didn't sign him. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't sign him. Oh, so, we, so, so we have. So it's, it's, we have them. <laughs> it's getting it's you home marketing uh, <laughs> and Phoenix copy. I think are there only two goalies in the system and then or Portillo and two. I'm sorry. Yeah. Those three are the yeah. only three goalies in the system right now yeah. that, are that are actively signed. Yeah. That are actively Valt signed. is yeah. an RFA, but yeah, those are the only three. So, so it's, um, you know, it's so the fact that I thought these people are still here is the fact that they've shown that they, they haven't progressed. They've just been marinating in the mediocrity of well, and and so I guess to, to no offense to, to the swamp rabbits still waiting for a jersey, please. And full full, full disclosure, like I, I don't know as as I don't know a lot about the goalies in this draft. I don't know where they're projected, where the top ones projected. I don't know. But I have zero interest in drafting a goalie. In, in the, the 50s, round. actually, to be honest with you, Joe. So are you okay with them taking a goalie with their first pick? No. Okay. Nope. That would be out of the norm for the Kings. They haven't drafted a goalie earlier than the third round since 2011. So that's not something that the Kings have ever looked at. Obviously, so you still do. had Jonathan Quick. You had Jonathan Quick in the system. Um, you had other goaltenders around. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with that. I think you just try to hit the jackpot in the later rounds. And I think there's some goalies in the later rounds. Like I could see, I mean, there's a goalie out of um, Finland, uh, Juho Yaktola, I think is his name that I'm pretty impressed with plays in the Cal Paul lead. Um, the finish, I'm sorry, the Finnish elite league out there. And I, I think he'd be uh, a good steal in the later rounds, but yeah, that's something that the Kings should, will, will probably most likely be addressing in this draft. So let's get let's get to the brass tacks here, everybody. Everybody in the chat, thank you for coming in. Uh, get in here and let you let us know who your draft crushes are here in the second round, because hockey royalty is about to do that as well. Joe, I'm gonna let you start. Who's your first draft crush for the second round for the Kings? So, well, my 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 true draft crush, I mentioned a couple of times, right, is Tanner Melendic, uh, but I don't think he's gonna make it all the way to the Kings. But if they trade up and you find the Kings have have um acquired Tanner Melendic. Just you know, think of me because uh I'm a huge fan of his. Anyways, but I, I will stay I will <laughs> stay on the left side of the D uh for my pick here and that's Luca Cagnoni. Uh he's out of the WHL Portland Winterhawks defenseman. Not a big defenseman. He's five nine, five ten, depending on where you look, 180 pounds, but big minutes, plays in all situations. Um, he can be his own breakout. 
hell of a skater, definitely leans more of an offensive defenseman. Um, and what I like the most and what I was trying to figure out, and, and I want to give big stick taps to uh, Scott Wheeler um, and Corey Priman. I look a, a lot at the athletic and the reports that they do and the scouting reports that they do. They do a hell of a job. And what I was looking at is to try to find guys because you're in the second round. So obviously the ceilings are not going to be the same as the ceilings of the guys drafted in the first round. So what I'm looking at is who can skate and who has uh, a brain, who has a higher hockey IQ. And Luca Cagnoni checked both of these boxes. Really good skater, really good with the puck. Can he, I think he leads the power, he runs the power play uh, in Portland and he is considered not only one of the smartest defensemen, if not the smartest defenseman in the draft, but one of the smartest overall players in the draft. I love that at pick 54. I think the reason he's going at pick 54 is because he's 5'10". It reminds me a lot of Lane Hudson last year, although he's got, although Kenyoni's 20 pounds heavier than Hudson, but Hudson lit up. Hudson uh, was a paper bag. Yeah, but he 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 was over a point a game as a defenseman in college last no, year. So. He was my draft crush. Yep, last that's year. true. So I would say um, he he is my he is my number one is Luca Kenyoni right now. Again, I, I love the skating and I love the brains. Outside of the uh, the Italia bias, I, I love I the vowels with, and I love and the I, vowels. I agree it for Joe <laughs> Russ. Where are you going with your uh, first pick there? Well, I have a. a a real crush on on a late first round player that his name's Andrew Cristal. I mean, this is going to be a total. I don't think he's going to fall to the Kings at fifty four. I'm just saying. I've I've seen some of the highlights, and and if he does fall, that's. I mean, that, this player, he's like Kevin Fiala. If you watch his highlights, he looks exactly like Kevin Fiala. Some of the stuff he does in the ice. But the other the other player I'm going to mention that is probably a little bit more of a reach too. Uh, but I've actually heard that the Kings have been scouting this player too. Is Theo Lindstein. Um, the Swedish uh, left shot defenseman um, plays in the played in the Swedish uh, hockey league or hockey house. How do you? It's their secondary league out there in Sweden too. The J twenty, um, but yeah, no, it's the Als Fest. I can't even say that league's name. We got to get six um, to nine. Yeah, but yeah, he played in the SHL last year. Played thirty two games there. Um, was the quarterback of their power play in the U eighteen team for Sweden. Uh, then played in the Hinduka Gretzky tournament and then had a five point game. In one of those games too, so it's it's funny because he's been known to be more of a defensive style player, but he does have a little bit of that offensive capability to his game. So he's defensive first from everything I've read, everything I've seen, but will be was not afraid to use his skating ability to kind of jump up into the rush, and he's got a pretty good shot too for a left shot defenseman. Hey, I mean, we'll probably be looking at a lot of these left shot defensemen. That anybody that falls into that first fifty fourth <laughs> pick. Uh, and round two to the Kings. I mean, those are all of the players we're going to be looking at because that certainly seems to be the type of uh, player or even the position of need for the Kings. So uh, Theo Lindstein is the the player that I'm looking at. Yeah, I think that uh, you and I are on the same boat here with the left shot. I think it's not only the the need for the Kings. I think it's the need for the prospect pool. I mean, you look at uh, um, what God, what's the finished player that just played for the Rain? It uh, Kim Nusiyan. Kim Nusiyan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's our yeah. only left shot D that's a prospect, I right? So, yeah. yeah, so he's the only guy Angus there, Booth. I think. Angus Booth is who? a left shot. Mm -hmm. Angus yeah, Booth, fourth exactly. round uh, 
Exactly. The only prospect that we have that's actually any good is Kim Nusayi. Hey, Jordan Spence was a was a fourth round pick too. And he was out of the queue. All right. Well, well, if prove me wrong, their booth. Prove me wrong. <laughs> uh, the guy that I'm going with is Jakub Dvorak out of uh, Chechnya. Um, uh, podcast aficionado Corey Promen turned me on to this guy. Talked to him and said, "Hey, what, what do you guys see the Kings drafting?" And then he put it in his article within the Athletics. So I, I looked at, did some did some research there. You know, he's out of Chechnya. He is uh, six foot five, two hundred three. Everybody likes that size there, but for me, it's just you know he's a guy that is uh, you know he's played against older competition his entire life in the men's league in the Chechnya league. Uh, he's a guy that plays like a boring style, but he's always dependable. He's not the fastest player in the eyes. He's always he's skating is so impressive, but it's not like alarming. Like you're not he's not using it to his advantage on the offensive side of the ice, but he's doing it to get out of out of uh, out of the way of players or or moving it up the to get the first outlet pass. You know which which I think that the Kings need. It's not always about offensive ability. You know Brent Clark, my my homeboy, my man, my G can do that. You know you just see a guy that is able to make that first outlet pass to get you up there. He's got a long stride. He's able to close gaps on 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 pucks uh, on the defensive angle, and, and and he, you know, his allows his teammates to transition. Which I think you look at guys like like you said, Kevin Fiala, uh, if Victor Arvidsson's uh, on the team at that point. Obviously, those are the Kings players now. He's not going to get played for the Kings then, but maybe the prospect pool, right? You look at the, the guys like uh, Pinelli or um, Alex Turcotte if he gets Helly. Those those are the guys that demand the center of the ice and he's able to get that puck to those players so he has that he's able to exploit the explosiveness of his teammates by those stretch passes by being able to guard the puck in the defensive zone and make sure that he can and and move out i think he's a very confident player um and i just think he needs to demand the puck more consistently because the fact that he is able to make those outlet passes so uh, that's the guy that I'm really looking for. I think you see him in the range of anywhere between uh, you look at N- NHL central scouting has the 15th overall uh, skater for international. And then he's sitting anywhere between 52 uh, to 64. So Jakob Dvorak is, is my dude. I like it. Yeah. I like so it. Joe, I where we I... go ahead. Oh, also just want to hit. I know trapper nine has mentioned, we haven't, we haven't mentioned Cole Krieger is also a left shot defenseman who was signed a, uh, uh, as a free agent, um, played a couple games with the rain last year. Um, it's a good skater. See, see how he kind of progresses in Ontario rain. So I just wanted to mention he's another left shot defenseman in the system as well. All right, Joe. I'm going to go. I am going to go back to Sweden uh, for a centerman, Felix Nilsson. Uh, he played out of the J20 as a 17 year old, and he had 41 points in 36 games. He actually just turned 18 today, as a matter of fact, on June 22nd. Um, Really, he's six foot, one eighty. So he's got a little bit more to grow. Um, he's not a he's not a monster in terms of he's not like an Andre Kopitar six four, but he's he'll get a little bit he'll thicken out a little bit more, uh, which I think will help him. But in the in the video that I watched of him, just a really well rounded player in both ends of the ice, um, really good on the puck. I mean, when he has the puck, he is driving play. He's the one that's just he's making the he's distributing pucks. He, he's a really good passer, really good in the offensive zone, especially. I get some like 
I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen, obviously, a ton of him, but from the video that I did watch, it gets him like Sam Reinhart vibes where he's a very cerebral type of player, really good thinker, a good shooter, underrated passer. Like, I, I, I think this, he's just a well-rounded type of centerman that I don't know that he's got the ceiling of like a 1C, otherwise he'd be going in the first round. But he's, I could see him settling into a middle six role if he hits um, as a set of it. So Felix Nilsson out of uh, out of Sweden. I like it. I like it. Uh, I, I He was in my top five to, to pick. I really <laughs> like that pick there for you, Joe. Russell, where are you going with your second? So my first one was probably somebody that might not fall to the Kings in, in Lindstein. Uh, could, could be end up being a first-round pick. But this player I'm going to mention is probably more of a reach at the 54th pick. And, and it's a name that I'm sure a lot of Kings fans might recognize. And that's I'm trying to get the attack, keep the Italian this going. I know, Joe, you're going to appreciate this, yes. but I'm going to go with Luca Pinelli. Let's get this, let's get the brothers going here. I mean, Luca, Luca <clears throat> Pinelli, obviously, Francesco Pinelli's uh, brother, uh, played the Ottawa 67s in the OHL. Dude, 63 points in 67 games. I mean, this is a player that it's, it's, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just more because you got the brother alongside of it. You got a little bit of camaraderie there. Uh, maybe you can grow a little chemistry with those two together. But yeah, I mean, I think this is also a player. I mean, he's a little undersized. I think he's only 5'9, mm-hmm. um, but left shot forward, plays a little bit tenacity, had 18 points in 11 playoff games for the 67. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, some of the stuff I watched with Pinelli, uh, I've been pretty impressed. And I think that's somebody maybe you can see going in the second round. But hey, maybe he falls in the third round and the Kings get another quality player there. Have you seen the rumors that the Panthers want to bring in the Ch- the Chuck brothers together and, and deal away Barkoff. I that not. would be crazy. That would be, I think Barkoff Barkoff's a better player than Brady, but yeah. I, under, I, under, I understand it. I understand it. If you're trying to create the bash brothers of the Kachucks, that, <laughs> that would be really fun. Actually <laughs> thinking about it. It would be like, fun. Maybe, maybe we have that in LA. I like it. I mean, Pinelli was a top pick for mine too. Uh, a little less down the line. So I have this uh, draft crush of mine, and uh, it took me a while. It took me a long time today, you know, having a few beers, having a few uh, barbecue sandwiches, as we do in Texas. And uh, I, I really thought that the Kings prospect pool and the Kings lineup lacks physicality in a positive nature. And everybody's like, oh, we need size. We need this. We need, we need big guys that are able to hit. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think we need grit. I think we need sandpaper. I think we need the guys that are willing to – to, to spit in your face and take a five-minute penalty, fight you, fight guys 40 pounds heavier than you. And I, the guy that I like who has skill and grit is Callan Lind. So this guy right here, uh, Scott Wheeler, a uh, friend of the podcast, had him as the highest motor in the draft, guy that never quits. Um, so that's what I like to see first off. Uh, you look at the rankings here, 23rd, 37, 49, 64, 62. He's all over that late first, early second round, late second round. But he's out of, uh, uh, the, uh, out of the WHL, six foot, 155 when he was in the WHL. But he has room to, to grow there. But he's just a nuisance. He's going over there, two-way winger. He's defensively sound for his size. Not giving up a lot of plays. Got great speed. Any any afraid to crash the net? Anytime he gets the puck, he's taking it to the net. He's not afraid to 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 mix it up, which I like that kind of play. Who does that remind you of? Blake Lazat, except for he's on the wing. He's getting it done all the time on the <clears throat> offensive side of the puck in the in the WHL. 
and he's fighting guys that are are that are over three inches taller and 40 pounds heavier in the OHL all-star game he did that in the all-star game you're never fighting people he's fighting people over there so he's he's got that panache that skill that grit and I think that the the prospect pool needs that I think the Kings need that and this I think this is a player that can maybe make some headway maybe three four years down the line that can really drive some edge in the middle six of 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 the team you look at what we thought or I thought Grunsham could be for the Kings as a nuisance Tonka was a guy that was always hitting people that was able to score he had one of the highest shooting percentages on the Kings even this year he doesn't really he didn't really have that consistency if Kalen Lynn can do that on a consistent level you're looking at when the Kings are making waves he's a guy that can interject himself and be a nuisance in the middle six and still have that scoring ability quote from Stephen Ellis of the Daily Faceoff Lind is such an an intriguing player. He's got the skill to play with anybody and knows how to put a ton of points on the board, but few players hit like he does. He targets and he loves to challenge anybody who will take him on. Also, Mitch Savard of FC Hockey. Lind's the type of player you hate to play against, but love to have him on your team. Who does that sound with? The Chuchuk brothers right there. That's the guy that I'm talking about. He plays in-your-face type of game, four checks hard, finishes every check that's possible, hits anybody that's in his way and loves to be in front of the net and get under people's skin. That's my player of this draft. And if the Kings walk away with this guy in the second, you will not be disappointed. Mic drop. I That's fantastic. I'm going to add to that, actually, because I'm just looking at his, his uh, the Wheeler's rankings, and Wheeler has him ranked at 62, so right in that range. And the first sentence, Lind is a fearless, physical, hardworking forward who regularly <laughs> lays big, clean hits and never stops coming. <laughs> like it is like, it, just as you said, Randy, this is a Pause. guy that, you know, he is the type of guy that, it, and again, I don't know know him at all, I don't know him personally, anything like that. But if, you, if generally speaking, a guy that plays like that, He's a fantastic guy to have in the locker room. He's a great guy to have on the bench and like just around and in the organization. So I, you know, it's it's not necessarily always my cup of tea, Randon, but hey, he could be a, a, a nice guy to have in this organization. That's for sure. And then hey, because he's got some talent, hey, you never know. Maybe he pops in middle six. I mean, what what prospect in the King system right now do you do you think about that? I mean, I I can't think of a player that kind of fits that fold. Yeah, I mean, someone just mentioned right now in our chat that that seems like a Kyle, Kyle Clifford kind of draft pick, right? I mean, Clifford didn't really have that offensive style to his to his game, but when you drafted Clifford, everybody knew. I mean, like I think the first highlights you saw from Clifford were were him fighting people. So it's like, and and that seems like the same kind of player. But and it's it's funny because you mentioned it. I, mean, I was looking him up too. It's 155 pounds. That's that's pretty pretty light, but uh, I'm glad he's able to drop the mitts and, and not afraid not afraid at all. And he's duking it out with people that are over 200 pounds. He's not afraid to fight. He's not afraid to get in there and mix it up. I I you look at at a Marshawn Light type player to where he's very good with the puck. He's got great hands. He's around the net, and all you need is a guy that's willing to get in the center of the ice. Yeah, and 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 clean up the dirty pucks. That's all you need from him, and he's not afraid to mix it up. I think he'll be a great middle six type guy at the peak of his career. And worst case scenario, he's a guy that's going to mix it up that has skill on the fourth line. You you mistake guys um, on the fourth line like McDermott and everything like that for Colorado. Like, yeah, he's a big player, and he was a positive for that team, but 
He didn't have any offensive backmen. Kalen Lynn has that offensive backman. You watch a lot of his highlights. He'll get in the dirtiest areas, and then he'll he'll backpedal into the open areas of the ice, right on the dots, and and bury one timers from behind the net. So, I, I this is my draft crush. It's 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 very much the guy that I want to see uh, be drafted by the Kings. And if uh, Rob Blake had any sense, he would uh, listen to this <laughs> podcast and, and 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 dial up the tape because, man, like I. I you know, I'm at a, at, a, at a rogue barbecue joint here in Texas, but I saw what I saw, and I think he's he's an excellent player. I, one other name, one other name, that I, it does, it does. One other name I'll throw out there that I started to really like, and I, I really enjoyed watching and, and reading about him and watching clips and watching video of him and this Riley Height. Um, only reason I didn't include him as one of my top two is because I. I Think everything. I think he's just going to go too high. I think he's going to probably be in the late first. But Corey Pronman has been the low man on him. Corey Pronman has had him in the fifties, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe even pushing sixty. I think at his latest update, he had him at forty nine. So still in that range. And if the Kings walk away with a Riley height, um, really high skilled forward, really skilled forward. So that's just another name I'll throw out there. Yeah, Riley height was a was he was called a cannonball. Uh, draft <laughs> thing that I watched and and I, I really thought about him. I I just I've been looking for what I took away from this playoffs, and, I, and maybe you guys disagree. Is that the NHL needs more to chucks in this league? We went way too far in the 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 league of skill with the uh, you know the Austin Matthews and McDavid's, and there is still a part of the NHL for that game. But, but the best player, but the best player in the playoffs was Matthew Kachuk, and it's not even arguable in my opinion. And you look at what he brought to the team with a broken sternum in the playoffs. Yeah, their team lost, but he was scoring goals. He was getting in people's faces. He was chewing his mouthpiece irritably to me, even watching. And we they weren't even playing the Kings, but he was a nuisance and he was a score. And I think there's still a place in this league for that type of player. And and I think the NHL wants to get away from that because all they talk about is the McDavid's and the McKinnons. When I love Nathan McKinnon, but they 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 talk about those types of players. They don't talk about the Chucks until it's the only team left over. He's just he's just that dude. And I was looking for a guy. I spent eight hours looking for a guy that I thought had some sort of skill, and then that buzz, that energy, that nuisance, and it was hard to find. And I don't even think Kalen. Uh, Kalin Lind might be that type of player because he's not a top ten pick, but it's just a, it's just a it's just a, such a niche skill set to have. But, but, but what I what I what I what I think is a, would be a mistake is for it's one thing for you to go looking for it, right? You say, hey, as a fan, as, as somebody who's doing the pod, like I want to find somebody that's this type of guy. But and GMs can go look for it. But I think it's a mistake to go and try to draft for that because let's not forget how good of a hockey player Matthew Kachuk is. Like he has that innate, that that aggressiveness to him, that sandpaper to him. That's just him. That's his the Kachuk family, frankly. But they're also incredibly talented players. Like he's a unicorn. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you can't go find those guys. You can't just say, go find me a Matthew Kachuk. Like, 
the player that you mentioned, Randon, like it just, I mean, it seems like he's a fourth line guy ceiling. You don't draft that. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I think it would be, I think GMs would be making a mistake to go, unless you're talking maybe in like a middle round, fourth, fifth, and say, you know what, let's take a shot on this guy. He's got the right mindset. He's got the right attitude. He's got that. And maybe, maybe if his skill set clicks, he can be that. Not Matthew Kachuk, but like of that mold. But boy, I, I like, it's the same reason why I think teams are going to pay a crap ton of money for Ivan Barbashev and they're going to regret it in a year. Like teams are, are, I, I, I just think that there's a little too much recency bias at times when it comes to playoffs. I mean, I get it, but I think a player like, I mean, Gudis is not a free agent, but if Gudis was a free agent, if Barbashev is going to, I, I feel like they're going to get overpaid. I think they're going to get too much money based on a really, really short run of high intensity hockey. And they did, they, 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 they did fine. But like, what about the rest of it? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I get it. It's, it's not about the Kings right now for me. It's about their prospect pool. And there's nobody tough in their prospect pool. And it's a good – that's a really good observation, mm-hmm. I think, by you and that they really – I mean, the the one that had been down there that you could say, like like Jacob Doty would drop the gloves all the Hilarious. time. And, you know, Hellenius would get after it a little bit. Is he bit. a fighter, really? Like, he's just big. Hellenius, yeah, he dropped the gloves quite a bit. Uh-huh. We have to talk to Kyle a little bit because he's our rain expert. But, yeah, he turned it – actually – quite surprised he, he turned into quite the quite the scrapper which his i mean dad was, i guess I, sh- I i guess i shouldn't be surprised it's just a huge mountain of a man but i mean yeah, yeah. If he, he, he can kind of grow a little bit of that skill set along with the size he has i'm curious to see what hellenius turns to but it's 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 funny because what's usually the the discussion with drafts i mean this is just any draft right it's it's what, what's, what do you go for? Do you go for drafting the best player available mm-hmm. or do you go for drafting position of need? And, and this is discussion. It's almost I'm like you're drafting. A, yeah. yeah it, but this discussion, it's almost like you're drafting the skill set of need. Uh, right. And in, in terms of just yep. looking for that physical type of player. But I agree but, with you, Randon. I mean, you're, you're, we're missing that in the prospect pool. We're missing that kind of pest. And I wonder if it is, I, I agree with you too, Joe. It's just like, I've heard it in other podcasts too. Is you 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 wonder if teams are now just all looking for that Matthew Kachuk type of player? But if you go out just trying to go find that type of player, they don't just grow on trees. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, this is a, a player that we haven't really seen in the NHL probably since his dad, right? It's it, it's this is that's not the type of NHL that we're we're watching. And I do I do wonder if maybe the Kings did kind of gravitate a little bit too far to that skill wise. Um, type of style of play. I mean, you look at their their uh, their roster. I mean, Trevor Moore, uh, Victor Arvidsson, um, a lot a lot of other players that are just maybe more on the smaller side, but maybe don't have that size to it. I mean, they they went away from those cup runs of just big heavy bodies of the Jordan Nolans and the Dwight Kings and all those type of players over to just more of a strong speed transition game because that was a lot of what the management talked about. But now it's like almost like, okay, well, where's the size aspect that Kings fans are looking for? And I don't know if maybe it's something that they need to look look at, but I, I understand that conversation is starting to have a little bit more. You look at Ianetti, and 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 I've, I've listened to a lot of his uh, his podcasts. And when you're drafting, I mean, we're talking about the second round, but second round or later or third round or later is all about 
It's all about elite traits. And not saying that Kalin Lind is, is elite in anything besides being an absolute a-hole on the ice. But that's something the Kings don't have in the prospect pool. They don't have any guys that are just a nuisance and that are willing to grind and an absolute menace on the forecheck, in the back check, in the paycheck, and getting in people's faces and fighting when you shouldn't be a fighter. Like he's not a guy that's six four, right? He's six foot one, one fifty-five, like, but he's in everybody's face. And I and I, I look at it this way, and I and you're right, Russ. Everybody's like, hey, what do the Kings need? And we should draft that, but though those players aren't gonna be there for a couple of years. So what what is our prospect pool need? We already said it. Like they are dominant in the scoring, they're dominant in the forward, they're missing defense, and they're missing physicality in a, in a, in a part of how they play, not with size. And that was the biggest thing that all of us thought that the trade deadline. Oh, we need a, we just need a big defenseman because he's big and he's automatically going to play with physicality because he's big. That's not the case. Pal Gasol, right for for your L.A. Lakers, huge dude. Offensive acumen. He's a gentle giant out there. Did not go under the boards. Didn't do anything defensively. He was a great shooter, great passer, offensive acumen, but he was tall and big. Right. So, like, that's where my thought process is here is that where is the prospect pool missing talent? And for me, it's the physicality. For me, it's the ratness. For me, it's the getting to the boards, getting to the, the crease and creating havoc. And I don't think we have a player like Kalen Lind, and that's why he was my drop crush. But you know what's funny is the player you're describing is everything we all thought Alex Turcotte Alex would be. Turcotte. <laughs> that's Alex Turcotte, but he just hasn't been healthy. I mean, this right. is a player. If, then if Turcotte can be healthy, then we have two of them. So exactly, I, this was supposed to be. He was supposed to be Jonathan Taves, but with a little bit more aggressiveness to his game, he just hasn't been healthy. And you watch him play. He's not afraid to get mixed it up no. into the corners. Go to the corners. And that's yeah, exactly. That's kind of what has caused him to be hurt all this time. But I don't know. I I, I, I hope to see a little bit more um from I don't want to say a little bit more, but I just hope to see Turcotte healthy. And I, I want to be proven wrong. I, I I bag on Turcotte all the time and and it maybe it is a little too harsh on the player just because of his his health history. But I just want to be proven wrong. I want to see that player that the Kings saw him, on him, in him, that a lot of the draft prospects saw in him to be. I mean, this is a player that was drafted fifth overall, and that was because a lot of experts had him in the top five of his draft class. So, I mean, we'll see if maybe he can be that type of player that the Kings are missing in their prospect pool that brings that tenacity and that that aggressiveness to the game. I I I appreciate it. I and I acknowledge it as something that's missing i don't want to draft it in the second round although in fairness like this is a player who who has talent too he's, he's ranked yeah. in this area so that in in fairness like he is ranked in that area but with something now, i want, said, I want right? a guy with offensive acumen that has sure. this like when you yeah. listen when you listen to draft like analysis for all these players it's like oh he's got offensive skill set he's got great hands he can get to this area this area with kaylin lynn it's like he asks people's up like he's in everybody's face. And then, yeah, he can score too. Like yeah. the part of the analysis is about his defensive game, about his tenacity, about his forechecking. And then they're like, oh, yeah, he can score as well. Where everybody else in that range that I read was all about, hey, like this guy can score sometimes, but that's he's not consistent. Like 
that's what stood out for me is like, hey, this guy can score, and but let's put that aside because this guy can, you know, and, and like I guess, uh, I mean, I'm I'm br- dragging everybody down a path for Colin Lind, which which is the point of this whole podcast for me, apparently. <laughs> but um, no, I, I I just think like, the Kings don't have that. I I I firmly believe Tre- Trevor Moore's overrated. I think he's overpaid. I think that that Victor Arvidsson is going to leave, and he's nothing but he's doesn't have the physicality, but he has that ratness and that he's always on the puck. And the Kings are going to miss that. There's no player if if like that without Victor Arvidsson. And and so obviously Caitlin Lynn isn't going to be that guy, but where does that guy seep into the prospect pool right away? I don't know. I, I don't know. I I, I, I I don't know. I just, I just don't think they're – I'm waiting for that type of guy. Maybe I'm just announced – this is my love letter to Matthew Kachuk that he's my favorite player. Maybe that's it. <laughs> One thing I did like that you said to Randon was um, – you know, when you're looking for these players, especially in the second round and the later rounds, because, you know, first round guys, especially depending on where they are, these are probably pretty high ceiling guys. They're less so in in the second and later rounds because there's going to be some flaws in their game, which is a reason they're not going in the first. But who are the guys that have, you mentioned those elite traits? And that's exactly where I landed with Luca Cagnoni, where he can skate really, really well. He's graded as arguably one of the smartest players in this draft. And when you when I look at those two things, how well he skates, how well he moves the puck, his offensive instincts, and his how smart he is considered by multiple people in the draft. Again, smartest defenseman in the draft, are, are pushing top five smartest players in the draft. And when you're getting that at 54, if, you know, obviously if he were to, to, to go to 54, that's – I'm involved along those same wavelengths, Brandon. It's like I'm looking for those high-end traits in that round to say, you know what, if he's got these couple of things, that's going to pop. And the one thing with Canyoni, I think we've seen Yanetti in the past, if I'm not mistaken, really lean into hockey IQ as much as yeah. anyone. So um, if Canyoni's there, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be somebody that's a target for the Kings if, you know, if past is, is precedent. They lean into hockey IQ and leadership. If if you were a captain or assistant captain, <laughs> probably going to be drafted by the Kings or a Swede, which is why I went with Kenyoni and Felix Nilsson. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're yeah, leaning, lean, leaning to the heavies, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Nav, yes, I will. I will. If I can find his Twitter, I will uh, tweet him out on this spot because he's my draft crush for sure. Uh, well, thank you everybody coming in the chat. You guys are always welcome. This is our draft preview here at hockey royalty hey we're gonna trust you netty right you netty we trust as always and we're gonna have some post draft stuff coming up uh russ you're gonna be going on a vacation so it's gonna be a while till we see you hey have the fun you know what you're doing there i appreciate it Thanks, joe and i are gonna be holding it down next week i think we're gonna be talking about the west and where it got strong or where it got weak and how the kings fare within that uh, appreciate everybody in the chat coming in. You can always find ourselves at HockeyRoyalty.com. Articles coming out daily. Follow us on Twitter at Hockey underscore Royalty. Random Commando 24. JW Paterino and, and at NHL Russo. Uh, if you want some rain news, at Kopitar 4HOF. DraftKings Co. THPN if you are a betting man. And as always on this podcast, Go Kings Go. <laughs>